representing Bigfoot. Say. been reported throughout the ages, even as recently as the mid-2000s. Most of these stories involve vessels located by other boats in the water with no crew on board and no records or evidence of any wrongdoing or catastrophic events. The story we will hear today is about a real ghost ship. Not a ship that's found by others, but a ship that makes occasional appearances of its own volition. Well, that's cool, man. I hope it is. I thought it was. Excuse us, dude. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. You ready to hear this story? Yeah. All right. So this story comes from a book called Haunted Maine Lighthouses. So this is a lighthouse in Portland, Maine? And the author is Taryn Plum. Yes. Cool. This is not really about the lighthouse, this story. What? I but the book is called a... Lighthouses. I know, but there oh. is a lighthouse in the Portland Harbor area and so it's directly related so you know a lot of people (laughs) a lot of people aren't really um, aware of the value that Maine has played throughout the course of American history in wars yeah because of our easternmost proximity to Canada everything across the ocean oh to Europe when it comes to like defense radars and systems that watch for other yeah um, boats and planes and like stuff. Like even now, there's like a track. There was a tracking station. Oh yeah, there's definitely Bangor, Maine, which is a very small city by city standards, has the longest, or at least it did until like ten years ago, the longest runway mm-hmm. in the continental United States, which is hysterical because because it's not a very big place. No, right. it's tiny. It is. Yeah. So this. First part of the story takes place in 1942, which was pretty much the World War Two was heavy going on, right? I didn't get to explain why Bangor has the longest. Oh, I didn't know we were talking about Bangor. Well, no, it was here. I was just supporting your. Oh, your you were. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Because it has this long runway. Yeah. Because it's the last stop in the U.S. for flights. If there's an emergency, like drunken Englishmen on the airplane, and they have to get land the airplane and kick somebody off. So even though we don't fly like 747s or anything big out of Bangor, we need the runway so that airplanes can have that last ditch moment before they head overseas. Yes. And that's why Maine is important. I don't think it is. We're a last ditch state. (laughs) A last ditch state. Yeah, yeah. We also have very large military planes that do fly in and out of there. That would be comparable to 747. Whatever. (laughs) But. That's when they're going overseas too, though. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I'm just going to be quiet so you can talk about ghosts now. No, you don't need to be quiet. I don't want you to be quiet. Too late. I want everything to be nautically related, though. Not aviation. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You're so bossy. You know, that's one thing you never hear of is a ghost airplane. Because they'll fall out of the sky. <laughs> Ships can float no matter No, you know. why don't you hear about Until ghost airplanes? <laughs> we need to write a story with a ghost airplane. Because they don't have anything holding them aloft. No, that's not why. It's a ghost. 
Well, that would be a true ghost there. Well, that'd be like a, a thing you could see through. Like Wonder Woman's plane. Maybe yeah. you just don't really see the ghost airplanes because they're so the air is so see-through anyway, and there's nothing like there's no visuals. Hey, all right, now you've got me totally off topic. <laughs> but I thought about this yesterday, oh, no. and it's paranormal related. Okay, phew. Um. Because this is not cart? only a crime podcast. Um, a true crime so you know and how, paranormal. Well, you know how we just recently shot down the alleged Chinese spy balloon, right? Yes, sir. I was wondering, in the last week or week and a half, however long it was over the United States, was there an uptick in supposed UFO sightings that is so along its flight path? Yeah. Because the reason I wonder that is because, not because... I don't believe in UFOs, but because that's such a popular excuse from the Air Force. Oh, I know. Oh, it was a weather balloon. Yeah. But if this obvious, if this thing floated across the skies and nobody reported any <laughs> UFOs, I think the Air Force's weather balloon excuse is bullcrap. I know. I know. That's a really good idea. It, it kind of puts a hole in their balloon. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, that was a good pun, but it phrased horribly. You're so clever. Anyways, 1942, right? Uh-huh. Portland Harbor is actually uh, also kind of important because it's it's a, like our largest harbor in Maine. And it, it's it's where we get receive a lot of ships and stuff. Uh, so they were getting... It was doing a lot of military business in, in that point in time, right? So yeah. We, so it wasn't... Just the Americans that were guarding it. There was also other other vessels from other countries, um, and the Coast Guard. Uh, so in 1942, one night, all the radars in the area start going crazy, and the warning bells and sirens are going off because they've detected a vessel in the water, Ooh. like large enough to be picked up, right? And it's really foggy. It's a foggy night, so they go out. Coast Guard responds, the Navy, a, a British ship apparently also, and they cruise all through the waters and they can't find anything. And then the fog lifts. Yeah. And they finally find a little rowboat. Yes. With a man and a woman in it. What? Now they've gone out in the fog for a little, oh, a little, a little time alone. A little special time. And they question them. And they're like, you're obviously not the boat we're looking for. Yeah. But have you seen any boats out here while you're so dangerously floating around in the fog in the open ocean? Yeah. And uh, and they're like, you know, as a matter of fact, we did. Oh. <laughs> we were just enjoying ourselves out here. <laughs> Special time. <laughs> and all of a sudden, <laughs> out of the fog... Comes this boat. Oh, I bet it did come. It's, yeah. And it's a sailboat. Yeah. A multi-masted schooner. Oh. That looks to be quite old to these witnesses. Right. And they said it passed within yards of them. What? And as it went by, they could see plainly on the hull, it said Dash. D-A-S-H. D-A-S-H. Freeport. What? Well... Dash was the name of the boat, and Freeport oh, is the registered port, right? Oh, all right, got it. <laughs> and so the military guys were like, huh, okay. 
Okay. <laughs> That's the best line in this whole podcast. Huh? Okay. But here's the thing. Yeah. Dash. The Dash was a real boat. Oh. It was built in 1813. Cool. During, um... During some. It's like... Some. It, well, it says our de facto second revolution. I'm trying to think of what that would be. The War uh, of 1812, baby. I got that. Uh, <clears throat> now that you said it. <laughs> <laughs> so... You're like, duh. But it wasn't built for war. Uh-huh. It was built by two... Freeport-based merchants, two brothers is what I meant, um, and they built it for speed. Mm, that's why it's they called built Dash. It, that's, they built it as a smuggling vessel. Oh. And it was very successful, and it was in fact quite fast. But during the war, they were allowed to hunt British ships as privateers. Oh. And for their trouble, yeah. they could keep anything they found on those ships. That's so cool. And they ended up capturing. 15 ships, supposedly. So they were they were pretty successful. They never lost a single crew member on the dash. Really? Yep. Wow. And then... They kicked butt, man. In 1815, along comes this other guy from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Oh, I'm from New Hampshire. That's the jab. And he built a boat named the Champlain. Oh, that doesn't have as cool a name. No. No. That he said was faster than the dash. Those the Dash's captain people. was only 24 years old. So he was like, all right, dude, let's have a race. Well, Aww. the other captain said, let's race. The Dash's captain said, you're on. Because oh he's not going to turn down the challenge. He's just a young man in his prime with this super fast boat that he and his brother built, right? Oh, no. So one day they line up in the harbor and off they go. And they're sailing out in the ocean and the Dash takes the lead. The dash is obviously going to be the winner. Yeah. But then bad weather rolls in. Oh, nosy. And it gets really bad and foggy. Oh, nosy. And the other boat says, screw it, we're losing. And it turns around and heads back to port. Yeah. The dash keeps sailing and is never seen again. Mm. So, well... That's not a true statement. That's not true. Because the dash is seen again. Oh, <laughs> man. But the real cor- corporeal, is that the word? Sure. Body of the ship and crew were never seen again. Were there a lot of crew? Uh, I don't know how many there are crew. No cargo, no wreckage, nothing. And it was a 222-ton brig. Was it? Yes. Oh, you just looked it up on I your phone. I did just look it up. I wanna. I gotta make sure you're telling the truth, man. Well, I'm not the one that's telling the story. Oh, I'm that's just true. retelling the story. That's very true. <laughs> I wonder if it smelled like coffee. Why? Because it used to like. Take did coffee. it haul coffee? Yeah. Or did it steal coffee? Or... <laughs> Maybe both. <laughs> <laughs> was coffee a, a commodity that would have been smuggled? Yeah. It wasn't illegal, was it? No, but I mean. Don't want to pay taxes on goods. You're going to smuggle everything. But, yes. So, just a few months later, there was a fisherman working in the Freeport Harbor. Uh Uh-huh. And it was very foggy out. Okay. But he kept doing whatever he was doing, despite the fog, because he probably wanted to get it done and go home. Hmm. When suddenly, a sailing ship 
with all her masts and sails emerged from the fog, moving forward, despite the fact that there was no wind. And on its side... Is this a direct quote from the book? Uh, no. Oh, wow, all right. You're telling a good story. (laughs) Okay, despite the fact that there was... They said hardly any wind. I said no wind, so... That's pretty direct. All right. Anyways... Uh, here's another quote. On its side, its name stood out in bold letters. Dash. Freeport. Dude, that's so cool. I know. And since that occasion, it's been seen sailing in multiple locations around Maine. Mostly around Freeport and Casco Bay area. Wow. Yep. That's so cool. Some have said that it has, it, it looks, it looks battered. You know, yeah. torn sails and stuff like that. And others say that it looks brand new. Oh. And some people have even reported seeing crews standing on it with just like uh, emotion, expressionless faces. Wow. Like just standing there, not moving or anything, just kind of standing. And uh, that's pretty much the end of my story. Wow. But I know you've got some new facts for me. Oh, I don't know. I have no. that. Um, like in, there was a battle in 1815 mm-hmm. and it was the Dash's eighth voyage out of Portland and it was captained by John Porter and, um, they made him a first lieutenant that day. Uh-huh. Um, and before they departed, this is according in the Knox village soup, Porter lingered to say goodbye to his newly wedded wife. It supposedly took two firings of a signal gun to get him to finally head to the ship. <laughs> <laughs> you say they were newlyweds? Yeah. Oh, well, he still wanted to get some of that. I thought so. Newlywed. And, um, and they write, premonition, who knows? Another source states locals saw a flock of bluebirds following the ship as it departed, an omen of an impending storm. So with the Chamberlain, this says... The two armed vessels sailed into the Gulf of Maine. One source says they engaged in a race of speed. After two days at sea, weather turned terrible, and the dash's superior speed soon outpaced that of the Chamberlain, and the faster vessel disappeared into stormy seas. The two ships lost sight of each other, and the dash was never heard from again. It is thought they may have foundered in a storm, or perhaps ran aground at George's Bank or Sable Island. One source simply states it was lost at sea in the snowstorm of 1815. A story goes that the night of the storm, friends trying to comfort Captain Porter's wife said the name of the ship just as a fireplace tile in the empty parlor fell with a crash. A sign of tragedy. (laughs) Is that a sign of tragedy if a fireplace tile falls? (laughs) During a storm? I don't know. During that purple thunderstorm snowstorm we talked about last week. I bet a lot of fireplace tiles, you know, fell. Um, but yeah, like this says the same thing. Like this newspaper report tells about the, um, the fishermen yeah. seeing it, and then the nineteen forty two sighting, you know, with a little couple canoodling on the boat, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and according to this direct quote. A legend has grown along with the dash sightings that the schooner appears only when one of the family members or descendants of its original crewmen die. Dash is thought to then reappear to maybe transport them to the hereafter. Yeah. It's like that boat on the river Styx. 
Yeah, man. Isn't that what that's all yeah, about? Yeah, like it helps you cross the river, man. Yeah. Isn't that wild? I'd love to see the dash. We should go hang out we down need to there. Just go we need out. a little rowboat. <laughs> we can go out on foggy nights and get busy. I have porters in my uh, in my family. Oh, do you? Yeah, man. Maybe I'm a maybe I'm a descendant of the dad. But it kind of feels like the captain couldn't make any babies because he only just got married unless they made a baby that morning, and that's why he couldn't. Oh my have. God, they could have made a baby. I got a hot second. Hot <laughs> You don't know how long they were doing it before they got married. Anyways. And that's true. Don't you dare say such a thing. Sheesh. But that's crazy. That's cool. Can you imagine? You're like making out on a rowboat in the middle of World War Two, oh, And then like... It would be scary, <laughs> but I don't think I'd go out on a rowboat in fog in, in, the, in the harbor. Wow. And friggin' you know, in the middle of the night. Desperate times, man. Desperate times. I mean, but how many people are even around <laughs> Portland or Freeport in 1942, dude? A lot, man. You can't find a friggin' alley with a good dumpster to block your view or something? Really? <laughs> I don't know. I married a very romantic man. Oh, I'm full of romance. Oh, so romantic. You know, the best is if you get a dumpster behind a florist. Then you can give your, you can woo her flowers. with flowers. I told you about how I once had a boyfriend who pulled up flowers from in front of a church. While you were there? No. Oh, okay. He gave them to me. Did he cut the roots off? And he did not cut the roots off. That's and horrible. I was like, where did you get these? Did you seal them? And he was like, I dug them out of the ground. In front of a church. And I'm like, where? And he's like, in front of this church. And I was like, oh, he's like, but it was just a church. It wasn't personal property. I'm like, <laughs> you're going straight to hell. I got caught cutting flowers out of some lady's yard. <laughs> oh, no, you did not. <laughs> yeah, dude. No, you did she not. She was like, she was very nice. Actually. She was like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, uh, these flowers are so pretty. <laughs> oh, no. How old were you? 22? I was a teenager. I was probably a young adult. Oh, <laughs> like in my early, early twenties, yeah. No, <laughs> the ghost of the boat of the. She dad. was very kind though. When I, I was kind of honest, and she was like, "Oh," because I was cutting them for some girl or something. Probably, I don't probably want my, to hear the story. Probably my right. mama. Probably your mama. Probably Mother's Day. <laughs> You're for my mama, <laughs> not because I want to get laid, but no, for my mama. Because I'm broke. Oh, dumb, my girlfriend's drained me of all my money, so <laughs> can't afford to buy flowers for my mama. That's so sad. It's also there. kind of sad how many people, like back in that time period, died on boats and were lost at sea. I have a lot of ancestors that yeah. were lost at sea, but that might just be because my people had to work real hard, unlike yours. What? My people worked hard. You were a wealthy people. You came from wealth. Not by the time I was born. I know, but your ancestors were mine are like, let's try to make a farm on this stony, rocky patch. Oh, I'll go out to see the fa- like feed my family. Oh, we all died. Like, well, that's my family. I mean, you don't have a good record with seas, apparently. No. I think I think your nautical bloodline ended when the garbage barge sank. <laughs> <laughs> My grandfather and my great uncle, um, they like right after the stock market crashed, like they're, I, they're, they, they, if they were alive, they'd be like 108,000 years old right now. But, um, they died in like the seventies, you know, I was the youngest, but the whole point here is after the stock market crashed, they were like, 
how can we still make money? And they're like, oh, there's a lot of garbage. There's a lot of garbage in Manhattan. Oh, that was a fantastic that has business to go across idea. The bay, and they didn't know how to. Um, but the problem was that they didn't know how to. Um, and who did that? Rockefeller. I don't know. Morgan. I don't know. Let's stick to your okay. famous story well, for now. One of the great pillars of tycoonage of the U.S. did exactly the same thing from Staten Island, which is where they were. Yeah. And created an empire, a steamboat empire. Um, but they didn't because <laughs> they didn't know how to sail and they didn't know anything about boats and the barge was they were like to my grandfather like you stay on the barge and i'm gonna captain the boat and we'll get it across the hudson mm-hmm. and uh so my grandpa um ernest barnard uh was on the barge and the barge started with Taking all the trash water. and the barge started Yep. And he was like, no. And he was like holding the chain and it was like going down. <laughs> That's why the water is so polluted there around New York, still to this day. My grandpa's fault. And then, so they gave that up. And then my uncle's like, we're not meant to work together. You can work for me. <laughs> and so my great uncle started a shipping company that became, I mean, not shipping, a Tra- tractor trailer. That's shipping, but. Yeah, not but not boats. that kind of shipping. All over the road. And it became the largest, uh, at that time, tractor trailer company in Maryland. Yeah. Or the Northeast or something. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Some people need to be on land, some need to be on the water. Sometimes you got to fail. That's in right. In order to succeed. Hey, yeah, he just tried a different approach. Yeah, that's right. And it was successful. An approach that didn't involve water. <laughs> Kudos to him. I don't wonder if there's going to be ghost tractor trailer trucks anywhere. Do you think that happens? Uh, I don't know. I bet there's I bet I bet there's reports of ghost vehicles. Yeah. He was heading right towards me, and they went right through my car. But no ghost airplanes. It's because they've got no terra firma under them, or even semi firma, which would be water. <laughs> okay. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to the Dude No. Please be sure to like, share, and subscribe, and tell all your friends what a goofy couple has this podcast and how good it is to listen to. Be kind. Be kind. Be kind. Yes. Thank you.